You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. This is episode 206, and we're going to dive into an interview in just a moment with a pastor from the beautiful state of Missouri, uh, Tim Carson. We're going to be talking about a topic called liminality. Uh, This is a topic that, quite frankly, I was not familiar with until very recently. I was a little bit ignorant of that, uh, but stumbled across some articles, essays online, learned a little bit about the topic and the idea, the concept, and then not too uh, long later, I was able to connect with a publisher who has an author on their label uh, that wrote a book about this topic, and that is Tim Carson. We're going to get to that uh, in just a moment. Hey, before we get to the interview, quick reminder to everyone that I have another podcast. I know many of you are already familiar with it, but if you're not, I want to encourage you to check it out. It's called the Student Ministry Podcast. It's really designed for anyone in student ministry, youth ministry, small group leaders, youth workers, youth leaders, whatever. If you are in student ministry of any kind, check it out. I think it'd be really, really valuable for you. The easiest way to find it is on the web at studentministrypodcast.com. All right, let's get to the topic at hand. Um, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, I uh, was able to connect with a publisher and publicist for Tim Carson. He's a pastor in Missouri and wrote about this topic called uh, luminality, which is a topic that is well known in the areas of philosophy and anthropology and is is recently growing or starting to grow uh, amongst the amongst theologic or amongst theology scholars. Uh, and it's really is this the idea of of transition, you know, when there's a when there's um, ambiguity of transition, when someone is transitioning from one stage of life to another stage of life, or transitioning from one uh, lifestyle to something that might be a different or dramatically different style of life, there's this transition. And when we uh, when, when there's ambiguity, when people are not so sure how to transition from one to the other, they go through this sort of this stage where they feel disoriented, they feel uncomfortable, they feel confused, they're not sure what to do, and they're not sure how to live in the new stage of life. And there's, there's sort of this sense of uncomfortability and, and inability to really jump into or embrace the new stage of life, so to speak. This is a concept, again, that's been very popular within the studies of anthropology uh, and, and philosophy and, and a little bit of psychology, kind of just understanding how humans function through transition. Um, And then again, of course, as we transition through stages, if we don't fully know how to embrace the next stage of life, we, we bump into a lot of confusion we, or, or frustration, uh, and we're not able to fully enjoy or fulfill ourselves or, or seek fulfillment in the next season of our lives. And this can cause all sorts of sort of uh, issues or problems in our lives, and it no doubt can impact our Christian walk, our faith, our faith journey, our understanding of God and spirituality uh, in general. Uh, and so there, there are there are it's important for us to really understand how to embrace the next season of our lives, and that, that is in essence what the study of uh, liminality is about. It's it's about understanding uh, the quality or lack thereof of uh, of you know when we what what happens when we don't embrace uh, the next season of our life appropriately. The ambiguity or the disorientation that kind of comes along with transitioning improperly or not fully. Um, and and Tim Carson, who's a pastor, uh, really felt prompted. 
uh, to really jump and study this, dive into this, and how it, you know, kind of how it fleshes out in our faith journey. He wrote a book about it, and he's going to dialogue with us quite a bit in this uh, in this interview. I'm excited to bring this uh, to bring this to you. So, without further ado, my interview with Pastor Tim Carson. And we are on the line now with Tim Carson from the uh, from the great state of Missouri. Uh, right, right. We were just talking before we started recording about the the region where he's from. Uh, very, very exciting. Tim, how are you feeling today, sir? I'm doing really good. I can see the Missouri River from my windows right now. Nice, nice. We, we were just talking. You know, now Missouri is not uh, not super well known by a lot of people across the country, or at least not known. Uh, or not a lot of people know a lot about it. But it's really one. How of strange, my, since we're the center of the universe. I that know. is so peculiar. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite states, though, because my one of my all time favorite restaurants is in Missouri, a place called Lambert's Cafe. Have you ever been there? Oh, Throne Rolls. We know this place. Come on. Now, if there's anyone ever driving through Missouri. Make sure you hit up a place called Lambert's. They're not even a sponsor of the podcast. That was just free, free advertising. <laughs> uh, but we're not here today to talk restaurants. We're here to talk about uh, some stuff uh, a little bit more important than that. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for for joining us today uh, on the podcast. So glad to have you. Um, thank so you. Let's uh, let's just take a few, uh, you know, a minute or two out. And just tell tell us our tell our audience who you are and and how you ended up to you know where you're at today. Yeah, well, I'm a pastor, and I've served uh, congregations for the last three decades. I'm a, a, a pastor in the Disciples of Christ uh, tradition, so that's kind of a progressive Protestant uh, Christian movement. And um, uh, in terms of getting where I am uh, with the uh, the book that's been published, um, there was a time in which I was doing doctoral research. I was uh, finishing my doctorate at Eden Theological Seminary in St. Louis, and I was looking for this key, this interpretive key, this theological key to open the lock. And um, as I as I was kind of boring down into my studies, I, I ran across this concept of liminality. And uh, the, uh, the the clouds parted and the light came through, the heavens opened. And I, I plunged into an area that became very fruitful. Uh, and liminality became the category by which... I, I, it was like a hermeneutical principle uh, to interpret culture around me, to interpret biblical texts, to interpret my own inner experience and those of others that, that I work with. And um, so one thing went to another. I did my dissertation on it. Um, an American um, press, um, academic press, picked it up. And it got published and ended up in seminary and also just university libraries all over. And then Lutterworth Press in Cambridge, England, contacted me when it went out of print. And they said, hey, <clears throat> let's bring this back in a second edition and add, add a chapter and, and, uh, and do some rewriting. And that's, what, that's what's happened this last year. And so now it's out on the shelves. Uh, well, that's uh, you know, congratulations. I you know I have published a book, and so I know uh, I know the excitement about that. Um, I have not had a second edition though, so my guess <laughs> will live long enough, and you might. You know, <laughs> uh, my guess is that when mine goes out of print, it probably won't come back unless a lot of our listeners go out and run out and buy more copies. Um, but uh, but so, so let's dive in a little more. Give us a little more idea of like, what is this concept all about, and kind of unpack right. this for our, for our audience. Yeah, so so the 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 root word of liminality is lemons, L I M, lemons. And um it has to do with the Latin refers to threshold. 
So when you cross the lemons, you cross the threshold from one reality into another. And so liminality is the state of being that you have when you have crossed the threshold of the known and you have moved into the unknown territory that is in between what you have known before and what shall yet be. And there you are with all of the balls in the air and all of the ambiguity of not having the coordinates of your past experience or your interior experience. Because liminality can be an external experience. It can be a personal experience, a social experience, and a deeply interior experience of passage. Victor Turner uh, was the anthropologist. At, well, actually, Von Gennep was early part of the 1900s, brought this forward as a rites of passage model. One is moving through, um, either through ritual kind of rites of passage or uh, involuntary rites of passage when events take place. And Victor Turner, the anthropologist, really matured this, at this concept of liminality, and uh, defined it as... We all live in a structure of positions. We, we live in a world, a reality, a context. And when we shift, when we are thrust out of that structure of positions in which we orient ourselves to the world, then we move into the liminal domain. In fact, we become liminal persons. Our identity is, is up in the air. It's all questionable. If someone's passed through a divorce, they know what that's like. Right. They have moved from one reality into the ambiguity of being a new person, and all the people around them don't know what to do with them. They're dangerous. It's almost enchanted because the structure of positions has changed. And so that liminal domain, uh, Turner would say, and the other anthropologists, and then everyone who's applied it, becomes a powerful domain for transformation. Mm. Because you have the opportunity then, as you've moved through the tomb into a kind of resurrection of the spirit, to become the new person. And the passage takes you to the other, the other side of what you can become. I am, and so I, 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 I love the idea, or first of all, let me backtrack. I, I love presenting ideas that maybe not feel mainstream. I, I think that's important. Um, and you know when I, when I say mainstream, meaning the average person that's sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning probably is not familiar with with this concept as you've articulated it. However, they may be familiar with elements of this, or they may be familiar with it and not even realize that they're familiar with this. And so you you just exactly you, yeah, you just use the perfect example of you know as, as simple as it sounds, the idea of someone who had been married and they they may go through a divorce. They have now gone through a new stage or, or what are some other practical examples so that the, the audience can kind of wrap their heads a little bit around this concept are, are there any other kind of right oh yeah lots it, it, they may not know the word liminality but they've experienced that they've experienced it i can promise you uh because of human experience that's why this is so powerful um if they've lost someone to death uh, suddenly they are thrust into a world between the worlds because that loved one has disappeared from view, if not from their personal interior experience. And so they are a new, they are, they are thrust into ambiguity and uncertainty and all the balls are in the air. That's what, uh, that's one very powerful and very familiar one. If a person is in, 
in a, an extended hospitalization. The world outside, the one they used to know, seems to um, move away into the distance. And this strange new world of cords and nurses and hospital beds and gowns and treatments becomes the liminal domain out of which some passage can take place into a greater uh, reality. There's, there are um, kind of what Victor Turner would call liminoid experiences. These are artificial experiences of being in the other. You can think of media experiences or cinema being you, you walk into the darkened theater and you are transported into another reality in which you encounter truths and questions. And so that liminal domain is very, it's an artificial one. But nevertheless, a powerful one. Psychotherapy is a liminal domain in which you are in the sealed canister of a relationship and a, a ritual leader who would be the therapist is leading one through a process where the old self is let go and we are being reborn as a new self. Uh, social liminality is the dimension of liminality that's shared by many people at the same time. Perhaps... You went to war, and you were with your comrades, and you passed through the hellish experiences that one does in war. And your old identity melts away, and you have been sealed in this canister, this unreality of war in which loss and violence uh, and the unimaginable takes place. And then you pass through that with your band of brothers or sisters and you come out on the other side. And one of the difficulties for American culture now is there is no community to welcome the warriors home as in pre-industrial cultures. Um, and then there's a social liminality that takes place with things like an election. Right. Right. I mean, Hey, the day after the election, the United States of America was thrust into social liminality. All of the former coordinates by which we thought the world operated seem to vanish. And now, for about a six-week period, that's it's the 40-day interval. Think of all those biblical 40 numbers, Jesus in the wilderness, children of Israel. For that 40-day period... Everyone is disoriented. We don't know what to do. What has happened? What is the meaning of this thing? And as people try to get a handle on that, they try to piece together what the new world might look like, there is the possibility of transformation. And that possibility is that we have been awakened to ourselves. We see what uh, a new mission that we might have, a new occasion to practice our faith. But everything, what we knew before is gone. And so liminality, and especially the process of liminality, ushers a person into, toward a future that is unknown, and yet full of potential. That's the hope of this, uh, whether it's baptism, the rebirth of a, of a spiritual insight, um, uh, someone who comes to themselves in a sweat lodge, you know, there is this sense of great passage, and collectively or corporately, whole societies, whole countries pass through this, and I think that's exactly where we've been in American culture. What will be required to pass through this in a whole, meaningful, um, fruitful way at the end will be 
ritual leadership, and that is persons who know to, how to help people pass through and embrace the ambiguity and the newfound wisdom that they find exactly in that place so that they can create a new kind of world. Okay, I, I love what you're saying, and, and, I've, and I know that there's lots of people tracking with you, uh, but there's some of us not as smart, and so we, so we want to ask a, 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 an, instant, an instant follow-up question, and that is, I understand the concept of luminality, luminality yeah. but why does this matter? More, and more specifically, how does my understanding of this process have the potential to transform me in a way that is positive in my faith journey? And, and, yes. and on the flip side, if I don't understand this or if I don't acknowledge this, this process, if I'm just kind of bumping through life accidentally, how, how, exactly. might that, how might that be a detriment to me? Right. Let me give you an example of how this would work with spiritual formation. So in the past, in the bad old days, we thought that pastoral counseling and spiritual direction and, and psychotherapy was about um, repairing things about taking things apart and repairing things. If, if we used a liminality model for approaching the journey of the soul, we, would, we understand, and the language that we use with people is a language of passage. Just this last week, I was working with a person that had endured a terrible trauma, and they're coming back from that. And the guiding metaphor that we have for all of our work is that she had, she left the shore of her former life when this terrible trauma took place. And she has been adrift in the river. And yet she sees the other shore. She knows where she needs to go. And so the language of passage is, you are actually going to move from one state of being to another with courage, with hope with the guidance of the Spirit, and you're moving to greater wholeness, you're, you're moving to uh, repair and, and, and uh, healing. But it is a model of passage, which is why it's so helpful in church communities. Imagine the typical congregation and what they experience, whether it's a new congregation, old city, rur urban, rural. Um, there is where we were, and there is where we are, and sometimes where we are is in the middle uh, of a great passage. And we need the language of hope to help us traverse that and make, and make that pass. So this can be very, very personal. You're on a passage. You're on a journey. And when you, when you are in the place of the unknown, there is the greatest potential for you to be transformed. It's very hopeful, very hopeful. So that is really good thought. When now, when so, if there's someone in a church community, for the example, that maybe suffers some some trauma. So I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking about a, a, a dear friend of mine who recently lost his wife to breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, obviously there there's going to this there's, there's an incredible difference now in his life after being married for you know more than two decades and having multiple children with this woman and and mm -hmm. the, the the new season of life. What are what are some of the 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 terms or some of the words or some of the concepts that maybe traditionally we would have that might not be helpful? And maybe what are some of the what's some of the verbiage and some of the concepts that would be helpful as I interact with him? Right. Well, the we don't have to go far because the biblical tradition offers all that to us prepackaged. And uh, the obvious one is wilderness. Uh, he has been plunged into wilderness. Mm. And in the wilderness, 
you are on the great journey towards the promised land, but it is so far out and it's shrouded in darkness and you don't know if you have what you need. And yet in the middle of wilderness, um, the truth is revealed to you. It comes off of the mountain. Um, you are provided manna and quail and water. Uh, you are you are given a community of passage, and you, my friend, are in the middle of wilderness. It there you will be for a time there. Wait quietly and patiently and confidently, because you will receive what you need in this time of great loss. And there will be a time in which you will be able to see the light again. Mm. This is a time of passage. Things won't be solved immediately, but you're on the way. So take hope. That's really good. And that, that feels so much, number one, it feels much more redemptive, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, seeing yes. God's plan unfold. It feels, um, it, that seems to resonate in my soul and feels to feels like it's going to resonate with the person who is hurting uh, more than maybe some of the traditional things that, that sometimes we say, um, right. Sometimes we have uh, sort of prepackaged words from our church lingo or our Christian lingo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. God's got it. Don't worry about it. Almost. <laughs> that's almost yeah. the philosophy sometimes. And I don't think people mean to be harsh, but it comes across that way often. Um, it doesn't make it dynamic enough, does it? Right. Um, and so are there are there other scenarios that maybe you haven't mentioned that would you know obviously you've mentioned multiple and there might not be others off the top of your head but any other you know scenarios that people may find themselves in or someone they care about that you would say hey, these are areas specifically to watch out for or to be cognizant of because this this is really an opportunity where transformation could take place. I I'm thinking I'm thinking of two. One is um we tend to have a pretty static view of faith as though, you know, you kind of find it, you have it, and then, okay, you, you just kind of live with it. But I, I don't think life is that way, and I don't think faith is that way, and I don't think God's that way at all. I think it is, it's an un, it is a flowing of a process. So if we can see this as a flowing process, a journey, a, a, um, a pathway God is taking us on, all of the things we encounter become ways in which God is disclosing God's life to us along the way. Every turn in the road, every season of darkness becomes an occasion for revelation. So that's the first thing. It's like almost the way that we understand the way God's working in our lives in the world. And the second thing uh, is, and this is for Christian communities, um, Almost every one of our um, congregational rituals from the ancient tradition to the modern tradition are rooted in this understanding of passage. Think about baptism. Uh, baptism, dying to the old self and rising in Christ. It's, uh, it's like the passage through the womb again. Uh, the Christian story of tomb to resurrection. That is, Paul says, our passage of baptism. We die to our old selves and we're risen to Christ. Mm. All of these are transformational symbols. And in the church, we can embrace these. And in fact, rites of passage can become very important to our Christian communities. We don't need to avoid rites of passage. We need to ramp those up. We need to we need to make the celebration of passage for our young people and our families even more significant. They need to know that something is happening 
And we have we have a language for this already. We have tools for this already. That's really really good stuff. You know, I I remember not too long ago I, I read some books about the uh, on how in in our modern contemporary um, uh, Western civilizations and societies we have sort of lost the art of of celebrating the rites of passage or, or the passage from childhood um, to adulthood and, and sort yeah. of. Adolescence is sort of this awkward inconvenience in the minds of some people, um, <laughs> and, and we sort of we sort of skip over that and, and really right. how freeing and how powerful it is if we um, if we really can uh, if if we really can take you know the idea of of, of celebrating passage and how uh, you know I was thinking it was John Eldridge who wrote about this in um, in one of his books he talked extensively about uh, many men who are in their twenties thirties and forties don't believe that they're men. Because they it, they were never they were never allowed to embrace that moment and celebrate the passage from one stage right. to the next and how that's actually and, tradi- and traditional cultures have this um, they have modes by which a person trans uh, transfers identity from childhood to adolescence and adolescence to adulthood and adulthood to old age and they have cultural rituals that that involve the whole community and seasoned mentors. Who are going to guide the uninitiated into that so whether it's a spirit walk to discover your true name uh, or whether it's baptism uh, those rituals are so critical i have a pastor friend who does a whole lot with um, young people who um, get the car keys for the first time they've got their driver's license for the time first time and they meet out in the parking lot of the church and if, a, if this new person has got their their license, and you know, everybody's anxious about, oh, who are they going to run into first? Uh, they're gathered around in a great circle, and they have prayers, and they have, a, you know, the liminal moment includes opportunities for imparting wisdom, wisdom of the elders, and then uh, they ritualize this. And how do they do it? They all pull their car, car keys out of their pockets, everybody in the circle, and they jangle the car keys as they pray. So don't you know that that ritual of passage, of communal support, it's very communal, is going to have a, uh, an impact that seeps into the life of this young person. Man, that's really, really good. Um, and, and I think sometimes it, it, it clears the ambiguity and it gives the person the permission to embrace the next stage with the, as you said earlier, sort of the, 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 the potential, the adventure of this. Um, you know, I know so many young men that I talk to that they're in their twenties and it's kind of like, well, am I a man? I'm not. And it's, mm. if, if we had had a, if we had had almost a ceremony, you know, as, as, as they do in so many, you know, Eastern cultures or traditional cultures, um, men wouldn't be confused and they would say yes you are a man and here are the expectations and here here are the possibilities and and i guess there there are so many different ways you can do this so it's not just painful scenarios like you described you know whether it be a divorce or the loss of a loved one but it can also be uh moments that that we could see very easily being celebratory moments right exactly joyful yeah um so we, we've kind of gotten a little away from your actual, I mean, this is a great topic. So give us a little bit about you know, the book itself. If someone reads your book, what are they going to walk away with? <laughs> I hope great new wisdom. Uh, <laughs> um, they'll, they will find two things. The first part of the book will give all of kind of the theoretical and biblical and psychological and sociological backgrounds so that they'll understand as a whole just what this liminality is. And then the second half of the book is what 
people would say is practical theology, and that would be the different ways in which you would find this lived out. And so there's there are portions on preaching and liturgy. There's portions on uh, pastoral counseling. There's portions on on community life and passage on trauma. There's even a passage, and this was a late a late uh, passage for the second edition on the nature of war in the 21st century and what it means for people to be involved in in passage and in the role of communities for that. So they'll find the practical applications in the second half of the book. That is absolutely fantastic. And and if someone wants to get their hand on this, they're, they're, they're listening to you and they're loving what you're saying, uh, the best way for them to get a hold of a copy. Yeah, easy. Go to our favorite Santa Claus named Amazon and, <laughs> and uh, just type in liminal reality and transformational power and they'll get it there they also can come see my uh my blog my blog uh, site and that's vital wholeness um at wordpress uh, dot wordpress.com and uh, they can find me and about me and all the books are listed there too awesome and we will have those linked up so in case you're anyone listening to this can't if you can't find it head over to our website theology for the rest of us.com look up the episode uh, number here and just look in the show notes we'll have a link both to the blog and to the amazon page make that uh, super easy uh, tim if there's anyone listening to this that wants to reach out to you personally or they want to connect with you uh, what's the best mechanism for them to do that just have them email me and my email is timothy l carson at yahoo.com awesome and we'll have that linked up uh in the show notes as well so anyone can get a hold of Get a hold of Tim that way. Timothy L. Carson at yahoo.com. Tim, man, this has been uh, absolutely fantastic. I really, really appreciate uh, your time. I, I believe that this content is going to be valuable for a lot of people out there. Thank you. This is really fun. And there you have it, my interview with Mr. Tim Carson, pastor from Missouri on the topic of liminality. I uh, really, really enjoyed talking to him. I uh, hope that content was valuable for you. Uh, if, you uh, if you're interested in studying more, I highly encourage you to get a copy of the book. Uh, if you want to find it easily, you can head over to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Look at the show notes for our episode with Tim Carson and click on that in the show notes there. You can click on a link that'll take you over uh, to the spot where you can get a copy uh, of the book. Again, if you're interested in, in hearing more about the topic and how it applies to different areas of your life and, and your faith journey, uh, get a copy of that. I believe that will be really valuable to you. Hey, thank you uh, for listening to this episode of the podcast. If anyone listening to this uh, knows of someone that you think would make a great interview guest, maybe an author, pastor, preacher, theologian, apologist, whatever, anyone you know that you think would make a great interview guest, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email with their contact info so that I can connect with them. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. Again, that's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Or if anyone listening to this has a question or a topic that you want me to address on a future episode of the show, you can also email me at that same address. I promise I will uh, I will address every topic that comes my way. Also, if you want to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. To ensure you never miss an episode of the podcast, make sure you subscribe to iTunes or your favorite podcast player that'll guarantee that every episode gets delivered directly to your device. Also, if you love the podcast, do us a huge favor. 
head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Those reviews are a big, big help to the show. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.